welcome to the FE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. If I compare the work that I've done even over three years, it is so, so different. Um, and I think that's it. You, you, can't, you can't become a, a researcher over, well, you, can't, you can become a researcher overnight, but you don't have to be the polished article overnight. It, it, it's a journey that we go on and um, it is very rewarding. And, and, and as I've said numerous times this evening, it's, um, it's good fun. Welcome to FE Research Podcast. My name is Joe Fletcher-Saxon and my partner in crime is... It's Alistair Smith. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you very much. We are bringing to you um, one of the sector's rising stars. He is head of teaching, learning and quality in a large FE college in the South. That's all I know. We've had this conversation before. It's South to me. Um, but he is also... a practitioner researcher which is why he's here and it is martin hoskin hello how are you hello yeah i'm a bit intimidated now i'm in such illustrious podcast uh, royalty but um i'm sure this will go go swimmingly well and we'll have a wonderful chat <laughs> we, we will you the three of us and the three people listening yeah um okay well uh martin let's you know we know a little bit about you but let's tell the three people listening um a bit more about who you are i'm particularly interested in you sharing how your practitioner research journey even got started as well so off you go okay sure yeah so as you mentioned i am head of teaching learning and quality and previously i had a role as a teaching learning coach i've worked in fe for 13 years now uh, my background is uh, is sports science believe it or not and i'm now uh, far more focused in educational research, but I still teach uh, as a, an access to HE lecturer in health sciences. So I've still got my feet, um, you know, in the classroom and uh, keeping myself aware of what's going on. But I'm far more focused uh, nowadays on on trying to support other teachers uh, to uh, to improve teaching and learning, and, and really be more. Be, be more uh, or be less risk averse and, and more open to the idea of trying new things which leads us on to the the whole practitioner research uh, yeah. of our chat i would uh, i would assume so where, where so where did that begin for you you know when, when was it you woke up one day and thought i'll have a bash at that what's that about when did that well i'll be honest it, it was down to a colleague of mine uh, who uh, who was very good at finding pots of funding uh, to go to conferences and trips abroad and all sorts of bits and pieces but he actually produced some really good um fe research out of it some really interesting outcomes so he uh, he basically one morning uh, emailed me and said do you fancy getting involved in a project looking at digital feedback where we would uh, essentially test some uh, video recorded feedback and some audio feedback and and see what students thought of it, see what staff thought of it and, and go from there. And that was one of the ETF OTLA projects. Um, and actually that's where most of most of my my practitioner researchers have uh, been supported through the ETF, which they have a fantastic um, set of funded uh, opportunities that you know simply go onto their site and you, you can see all the things that are coming up. Yeah. Um, We've had um quite a number of people from OTLA, some who um, start their practitioner research journey there, some who end up back there having done doctorate, so that, you know, that the whole range, really. So, yeah, I think uh, people are getting, well, I don't know, I don't know how familiar people, I still meet lots of people who've not heard of either Sunset or OTLA, so. 
Yeah, I think that for, for me, when the Institute for Learning was sort of disbanded and, and oh, not yeah. replaced, because remember when I first joined FE, it was a compulsory um, yeah. part of, of working in FE. You had to join the IFL and, and, and log your CPD and all those kind of bits and pieces. And once that was kind of disbanded, I think people kind of forgot that there was a an overarching uh, sort of body that supports FE. Um and, and I think it has become sort of this sort of undercurrent of of research and practice. And but the ETF yeah. is is huge, and the amount of things they get involved in it is 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 absolutely um, massive. So there's so many opportunities out there. I think that's you know the importance of things like the the podcast you're running here is to really open up the opportunities for people that hadn't maybe thought of research and, uh, and yeah. to have as, as as enjoyable journey as we're having. Yeah, absolutely. Now you didn't say your colleague's name before. Remind, yep. remind me his name. So his name is Dom Thompson. He now works at another college. Um, Where and is our, he now? Sorry? Where is he now? He's at uh, Peter Simmons College. Ah, that's where I've seen his name pop up. Yeah. Of course, that's a sixth form college, which is where I'm based, and that's why yeah. I've seen his name. That make okay. That makes sense now. I kept seeing his name, thinking I know that name. I know that name. Right, fabulous. Okay, so. Um, However many years ago you decided you were doing the OTLA and then you went on to the Sunset Programme, which yep. people who listened to the podcast before maybe a little bit more, more familiar with. Um, and then, so you did the MA short and then you went on to the MFIL and you sort of, are you in the final throes of sort of PhD world now? Where are you up to? Well, yeah, so in um, in August, September, October, around about that time, it was a very busy time of year, um, completed my um phd transfer um so it's a it's a it's a fairly um fairly normal process you you know you, you track your progress to date and you identify where you are but the, the key thing with moving on to phd is about the contribution to knowledge or original original contribution to knowledge um so that took me a little bit of time to to really identify what it is about my research which was which was different and was going to offer a, maybe a different perspective or uh, some kind of concept solution or, or whatever it might be. But I, I think I'm happy that I'm there now. And I, I've got until February 2023 to complete the research. So, you know, just over a year left uh, on, on the program. And um, and I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. It's, it has been two years already. Uh, and if I include the MA, it's been three years. So oh. three years of this uh, of research and, you know, sort of living the, the whole life of a researcher. But it's been an evolution of not just my work, but also me. Uh, and yes. I think that that's probably some of the most powerful um, oh my God. things to, co- to come out of this. So my next two questions were about, you know, what keeps you going? What, what do you love about it? And the other one was, how, it, how has it changed you? <laughs> so go on. What, what does keep you going then? Why is it you, you feel so positive about it? Because lots of people will say, I can't go near a master's or anything higher than that. You know, I've not got the time. What keeps you going? Well, I, that was me. That was me five years ago uh, until I um, until I sort of started on my own sort of CPD journey. If you like. And for me, it, it all started with engaging with some of the, the Google uh, G Suite for Education uh, programs. Um, so I became a Google educator and then became a Google trainer. And then I went in 2019 to... Uh, to become a Google innovator, there was a three-day workshop in London in the Google head offices where we we kind of had to uh, come up with a project, and uh, the project had, it has a how might we tag. So we had to say a how might we, and mine was how might we create a hunger 
for professional development through offering practitioners a choice. So that was my, that wasn't the start of little did I know it, but that was the start of my master's uh, MPhil uh, project. And, and moving on, that's, that's kind of evolved into um, a bit more of a focus on the concept of agency and, and which still focuses on the sort of empowerment and choice. Uh, yeah. Which is which this is, is great. So I'm following in your footsteps here, Martin, because that's definitely a dimension to to mine. Though, um, what what what's your title then, or you can't, you know, you maybe your overarching research question? How have you yes. framed that? So at the moment, my my title uh, remains that the gamification of CPD. What impact does teacher agency have on professional development? So the gamification element was really my initial initial idea. So with the innovative project with Google. I, um, I created a, a series of activities uh, using Google Forms. And um, really the, the idea was to try and get people to engage with uh, CPD outside of the classroom. And um, I, sp I spent a considerable number of hours, I, I couldn't even count them, creating these activities, uh, which basically gave uh, the user uh, the opportunity to proceed through the content however they, they, they saw fit. So they could, at the end of the, the sections, they could skip to another section, fast forward to the end, um, and, and really kind of be in control. And I, and I titled them "Choose Your Own CPD," um, and that was as it came from my experience of reading as a child. As a, as a child, I wasn't a keen reader, but I remember coming across these series of books called "Choose Your Own Adventure" books, mostly science fiction or mythical in nature. Um, but at the end of each chapter, they gave you an opportunity to decide how you progress through the story, and I absolutely love them. Um, and, and I, you know, I was thinking back about, you know, what it is that I loved about those books and it was the autonomy to choose my route that kept me engaged and kept me excited. So I wanted to apply that to CPD. I wanted to put that into some kind of concept where staff could, uh, engage with it as they wished and keep them interested as they go through, because we've all sat in that CPD session where we, you know, we're in a, a room with 20, 30 other people, somebody's standing up at the front of the room and you're sitting there going, when is this going to end? Um, but with the, the resources that I created, the idea was that people could end them as soon as they wanted to. They could be on it five minutes or five hours. Um, as long as the content was relevant and exciting and engaging, then then it was up to them what they did with it. So so that that's really that was the start of my uh, sort of research. And then I took that on through into the MPhil um, with Sunset. And, uh, and here I am now, two and a half years in PhD. Yeah. Okay, I just I think the um, I think lots of us actually end up looking at some aspect of choice and agency through through all from different angles and in, in different ways and I, and I think over the last couple of years particularly there's been loads more opportunity for people to make choices and I, and I wonder if that will you know continue. I, I'm going to hand over now. Uh, I'm monopolising your time uh, to my podcasting partner to ask you a few more questions. Yeah, it's my turn. I mean, you've, you've given us an insight into what the research is about, right? But what do you really want to, to get from this? I mean, what, what's the hope and the purpose of it? I suppose it's, it's to engage those around you, is it? Is it? Where did that drive really kick in? Well, for me at the time, I was, you know, I was a teaching and learning coach. I was delivering CPD. I was, um, I was getting good feedback, um, but I wasn't getting great attendance. And um, for me, I, I wanted to know why. Why, why were, you know, people are saying that the sessions I'm delivering were, were largely good. Why weren't they attending? And it seemed to be down to time, um, the perceived value of the sessions, or 
actually quite more so than I realized, poor prior experience. So they just had such bad experience with CBD previously that they didn't see it as, as, as worthwhile. So the online CPD that I, I sort of started to provide, I, I saw as a viable alternative to kind of capture, I was still running those face-to-face -face sessions, but I could capture those who weren't able to attend or, or, or were honest, unwilling to attend for whatever reason. Um, ultimately, I wanted to do my job better and reach a wider audience within the college. Um, and, and I knew from the experience I'd had with, with, with some of the Google research and, and even the MA research with, with Sunset that the most important aspect of those for me, I mean, that's the most valuable CPD I've ever been involved in. And the reason was I had a choice in what I was doing. It was all down to my solving problems that I'd identified on my own terms and coming up with my own solutions, but with a network of people around me that I could sort of talk, talk it over with. And it's that kind of development of communities of practice and sort of research groups. And, and I, I listened to, to Mark Beetleston's podcast previously about imposter syn, you know, he's talking about imposter syndrome. That is a very, very real thing for most people as they enter into, into FE research. And I mean, that's gone for me now. Um, it's not quite gone when I'm standing up in front of a big conference center, sometimes in front of uh, principals of FE colleges, but it's largely gone and I'm, I'm more confident now in, in terms of, uh, you know, addressing issues on my terms. Um, and, and again, hopefully the, the feedback I'm getting from staff is positive. So uh, it, it's, it's then led to me changing a number of different things within my new role as head of teaching learning quality um, in, in the way that we observe lessons, in the way that we encourage collaborative teaching and peer observations. Um, so, you know, the, the impact of the research I've been involved in goes much wider than the thesis I'm writing. It's actually changed my day-to-day -day working um, in, in both of my roles previously as a teaching learning coach and now as head of quality. So it's, it's, been, it's, it's been hugely rewarding, I think, for, for myself, my colleagues and, and the wider college. Brilliant. And it really, it starts with that kind of almost the, the sort of selfish um, uh, need to find something out for you that grows and grows and grows and grows into something that goes beyond that. Uh, and, and I think we've found that quite a lot with the research where people just want to know something for them um, in their classrooms and, and their spaces and it grows. And uh, I think that's brilliant. But this is a monster project, Martin, right? You're listening to you talking about it, this isn't tiny. So how on earth did you go about um, kind of researching this and, and collecting some of that data? Good question. Um, I'm, I'm still working it out. Uh, and I think that's that, that's the thing that there is nothing wrong with pivoting. There's nothing wrong with changing your ideas. Um, one of the, the most important lessons I've learned is, um, is that what you think um, you know, or what you think your research is going to bring up, whatever your expectations are, that they rarely remain the same throughout. Um, and I, I said earlier, it's been an evolution of my research, but also me as a researcher. Um, and it very much my initial research centered around the concept of gamification and online learning. That seemed very obvious. You know, I was, I was looking at producing a website and some online activities. So sh surely it's all around, you know, the impact that gamification can have. And um, so I did a lot of research there. Um, uh, Sebastian de Terding uh, is, is one, uh, one researcher who's done a lot of work on gamification and game design. And then Gilly Salmon, is, is, there's lots of research from Gilly Salmon on digital learning. So I spent a lot of time reading through uh, different resources there. Um, and then that led me on to completing a pilot survey with my staff and I, investigating the thoughts and feelings, their thoughts and feelings around CPD experiences. And it became far more evident there that um, 
there, there were a number of barriers or grievances within CPD. It wasn't always running as smoothly as, as maybe those delivering thought it would be. And that was particularly around the top-down approach to CPD, very much prescribed training, which is offered in inverted commas, uh, commas to meet organizational agendas rather than the needs of, of staff. And that's often influenced by external bodies such as Ofsted. Uh, and that led me to read... Um, quite a lot of research from from Stephen Ball, um, sociologist, who, in particularly the, the teacher's soul and the terrors of performativity. That's a, a very good one to read. Um, and then in, that's 2003 and in 2018, um, his work on the tragedy of state education in England. So there's some really interesting things there from a sociologist perspective, which is, is far from my background. Uh, I mean, I'm a sports science background. So going from that very uh, empiricist view to something that's a little bit more um, you know, open is uh, and, and subjective is it, it, that's been really valuable for me. Uh, and then Frank Caulfield, um, you know, so anybody who's ever done anything with Sunset will know Frank Caulfield or the no name of Frank Caulfield, and and in particular his work around Ofsted. Uh, well, the Leopard Changes Spots is the title there, and and the model of Ofsted and the influence that Ofsted can have on on the FE sector. Um, so those that that was where I kind of started out. And then later in my research, and the, the concept of agency actually came uh, towards towards the end of my first year of the MPhil and, and moving into the second year. Um, the, 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 the concept of agency and, and the work of uh, Gert Biester, Mark Priestley, and Sarah Robinson. There's a multitude of uh, of different publications there around um, agency and the concept of agency and, and, and why it matters and the impact it can have. And then, and then finally, more recently. Um, the, the, the final sort of concept that's come into play is communities of practice and starting to realise the more and more I'm, I'm meeting other people and working with other people within the FE sector, uh, not just around research, but, you know, AOC and, and various other organisations we're working with. There's that community of practice element where, you know, we're coming together as a, with, with a, a common a common theme and sort of rub, working off each other, uh, and I've, that's been incredibly valuable too, and, and something I, I think is is integral to CPD. So uh, that's the work of uh, Etienne Wenger and and our good friends uh, Trish Bedding and Maggie Gregson at the University of Sunderland. Obviously, quite a wealth of work on community practice, uh, and that's where I am now. Really, is is kind to tie all that together. I've realised that the, the the gamification element, the the website, and the activities I've created. Uh, within region large, largely irrelevant to the wider issues the, the wider issue of top-down uh, decision making um uh, meeting organizational agendas and meeting you know the, the needs of external influences like Ofsted rather than focusing on teachers and, and what teachers actually need so um I, I'm at this pivot point now whereas you know is it really about gamification or is it really about agency uh, and, and enacting agency and, and how best we can do that. So it's been, it's, it's, I've never once found this a chore. And I think that's, that's the, that's the key thing. Find something that you don't find a chore and you can spend hours on it and, you know, and, and, and not once feel like it's, um, it's taking up too much of your time. That's really interesting. It's like you, you're reading the questions on here as you were, as you were going through everything you were saying, Martin, <laughs> can, can you see those somewhere? Um, but um I think what I was going to say is, you know, are, are you getting any emerging themes coming out at this point for you? And I think obviously you were saying it's more about the agency, um, but is there anything that that you've identified so far in the research or is it still very much um, open to, to yes. investigation? No, there's there's a couple of things. And I, I think it is, it is realising that, you know, what I initially thought was uh, a silver bullet solution to to a problem is, is not the case. And 
really uh, from the outset it was clear that there are there are numerous accounts of CPD that are not fit for purpose and and that's going to be the same across schools colleges various organizations and that's usually down to the perceived value of those of those sessions and and in general the, the fact that that provision could be better um the outcome is not always that bleak though uh, it, it is it is about getting the offer right and it, and if we focus on meeting the individual needs of practitioners um you know that that's that's the real purpose the overriding feeling i think from the participants in, in my research so far is that we need to shift from organizational led cpd to uh, you know autonomous decision making by teachers um because really they know best they they're the ones in the classroom for 25 hours a week they know what's going on they know what the problems are they don't always know the solutions but they can identify at the very least the problems and then we can map our cpd provision around that so the, the gamified approach to cpd um you know it is an alternative uh, it may promote greater agency and learning but it's not it's not the solution and i think there therefore my focus going forward is is far more on on agency and how that is essentially influenced by factors such as self-confidence, self-efficacy, trust. Um, and, and there's an opportunity there to build on some of the humanistic work of, uh, of Maslow uh, and the hierarchy of needs and various other bits and pieces. There are things we need to get right first before the CPD offer that we're providing is going to be of any benefit. Uh, and and that, that's that's something that's I, I think I, I didn't realise from the outset. And I think that's why why you continually retain that interest in, in research because things just crop up and it's like, you know, it grabs you and and, and you start all over again with that excitement and enthusiasm that, that you started off with. Yeah, it's great. Um, as you're saying all these things and Joe's nodding and I'm nodding along, but of course the, the listeners can't see that, but it's it very much that. I think you've kind of summed that up great. Right, this is this is um, the kind of really open question, Martin, and you started to allude to it to a bit of this anyway, because you've still got a way to go, but it's a really short question of what's next. I mean, where would you like to take the research? Where would you, what would you like to do with it? Do you have any other plans on the horizon going forward? Yeah. So, so for me at the moment, um, I think first of all, I've got a far greater appreciation for educational research. Uh, I'd have got a far greater appreciation for academia in general. Um, I was that person that never, never thought I'd, I'd ever do an MA, let alone moving on to an MPhil. So for me, it is still a, a continuing personal journey. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, it's very rewarding and valuable to me and, and it is my own CPD. Um, but what I want to make sure I can do is 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 continue to to promote that message to to other people. And, and, and the value that I've had from from getting involved in practice and research, whether it is, you know, the, from the very outset, just trying something in your class that is different. Um, you know, I, I can't advocate more enthusiastically about the opportunities FE research can bring. I've, I've been able to, to, to involve myself with multiple different people from all around the world. Um, I, I've delivered at conferences. I've, you know, I've, I've traveled and, and, and worked with universities in, in, in around Europe, um, you know, all from having this initial interest in just doing something outside of the norm. Uh, it doesn't have to progress to the PhD. It could simply be trying something new in your teaching practice, as I've said, and more than likely, I think you'll end up influenced by your own curiosity to take things further. Uh, and, uh, and I think as we see the culture of FE research continue to grow, and it is, it really is growing across the sector, um, I, I think there are going to be even more opportunities arising and, and hopefully uh, FE research will, will get the recognition it deserves and, and it can have a long lasting impact on, on us, you know, those of us working in it and, and the students that we, we put so much effort into, uh, into supporting.
Well, I was going to ask you for a key message, but I think you summed it up perfectly. There <laughs> okay, <anyway>. sorry. <laughs> That's good. It's good. It's all yeah. in there. Well, hopefully, you, I mean, you can see the enthusiasm that I still retain after three and a half years of, you know, of doing this. And and I think that 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 would be my key message is, you know, you you won't regret it. You know, give it a go, see where it takes you. Uh, and and if it just improves something in your lesson, then that's fantastic. If it improves something in all your colleagues' lessons or the wider college, that's that's even better. And and if you have the opportunity, like some of us are doing now, to to really get your feet into various other areas of the FE sector and and, and hopefully influence wider afield, then you know that those are the kind of people that we need to 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 really push the sector forward because it's a wonderful place to work. Um, but there are things that we need to do better. I, th- I think what's really fascinating though, Martin, listening to you talk about the project and, and quite clearly really passionate about it. And we can see that visually while, while doing the interview. I remember conversations um, when doing the MA short in Sunderland with you, where you said, you know what, I'm from sports science. This is, you know, it's numbers, it's graphs, it's what I know that that's where it goes. But, but to hear you having kind of changed that mindset is, I think that's quite, quite a big thing, isn't it? And, and you were saying about the personal change and all those aspects. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think people band around the the, the, the phrase life changing, but it, it has certainly has been life changing for me. And you're right, you know, going from this uh, sort of very data driven, quantitative background of, of, of sports science, where I'm in a lab, taking some data down and analyzing it to actually really thinking about, you know, the, people's feelings and thoughts and, and, and you know, that there is a humanistic impact to every decision that happens in FE, whether it's a small detail or whether it is you know it is considerably uh, impactful on 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 day-to-day life and we can see that now with you know funding issues and you know college mergers and restructures and all this kind of thing that there are lots of things going on that get in the way of teaching and learning so if we can do anything that, that that brings the focus back to teaching and learning in the classroom and really you know that's that's what we're here for um but we have to deal with all these things around the outside getting in the way um and sometimes all you need is that one thing that picks you up and goes, you know, what, I'm going to, I'm going to have a PhD day today, and I'm going to love every minute of it, and I'm not going to answer an email. And uh, and 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 it, you know, you, you go back to your job recharged. Yeah, I, I need to that. make myself one of those days. What about you, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should adopt that. I think we're at that stage where we need to say we'll have a PhD day today. No, that's brilliant. I'm just thinking back. To the time when I remember Martin, um, you show me your Google phone. <laughs> I just have this memory, and now I feel like I've sat through this masterclass with you, and I'm writing down everything, and I feel like I should be referencing you in my work. So, it, you know, I, I I don't know you that well, but I, I I feel like oh my god, you know, I'm hearing a different person. Well, lots of people say it, but I think it's hard to articulate what what the big changes are for people. Well, is there any way you could describe what you feel that change is? I, I feel far more. Um, I feel far more empathetic. Mm-hmm. I, I understand other people's situations. Um, I think now before I make decisions about what the long, what the impact of those decisions are, um, and it, it has been. It has been life changing. Um, there's still there's still thing things in you that you you know you've still got these. Uh, pre-existing ways of working and, you know, your preferences and in, in how you work. Um, but everything from, as I said, from, from the way I think to the way I write, what, what's most embarrassing is it, you, you go back to, go back to my M- MA 
research project, which I, I thought was fairly good. And I look at it, I think I can't can't believe I wrote that. And then I go back to year one of the MPhil, and I think that that doesn't sound like me. And then I look at the the MPhil transfer report that I wrote in August, and it's if I compare the work that I, I've done even over three years, it is so so different. Um, and I think that's it. You, you can't you can't become a, a researcher over well you can you can become a researcher overnight, but you don't have to be the polished article overnight. It, it, it's a journey that we go on, and um, it is very rewarding. And 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 as I've said numerous times this evening, it's um it's good fun. So yeah. I, I would advocate um, with with great enthusiasm for everyone and anyone to get involved with it. Well, I think sold. I think <laughs> you sold that idea to me. Um, listen, we'll we'll not use up any more of your time. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your kind of story and, and where you're at with your research. I think it'll be really inspiring for people to hear about. Great. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. And I look forward to catching up with you face to face soon, yeah. hopefully. That'll yeah. be brilliant. Thanks ever so much, Martin. Thank you. You have been listening to the FE Research Podcast, a Sheep Hill Studio production. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can join us again soon.